Uh, I want you to turn with me, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, and if not, listen attentively uh, to the passage that I want to try to expound to you this morning. It's from Hebrews, uh, the epistle. The epistle, I'm going to say it, and maybe you want to argue with me afterwards, but I'm going to say it just the same. The epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. Uh, <laughs> Chapter 4 and verses 14 through 16. I'll explain to you youngsters in a moment why I said that. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, grant to us light in the scriptures not only to understand the words, but to apply it to our own hearts, and that it might be the source of joy and encouragement to us. We ask this for the sake and for the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me explain to you youngsters, um, for centuries uh, people have doubted whether the Apostle Paul wrote this epistle to the Hebrews. The Greek is very good. I, I, don't, I, I speak Welsh fluently, but uh, the apostle didn't speak in Welsh, unfortunately. And so uh, he spoke in Greek, and so did the author of Hebrews. And he spoke in excellent Greek. So they say, well, Paul's letters are not excellent Greek. So he couldn't have written Hebrews. And then others say, well, of course, it belongs to a later time than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul probably was executed um, in about AD 68. And this seems to refer to events uh, somewhat later than that. And so Paul didn't write this. And there are various other reasons uh, that I, I recued. Uh, but I still think Paul wrote it. But don't, <laughs> but don't tell the experts. Okay, don't tell the experts. A hundred years ago, <clears throat> a very famous book was written, certainly for us. And at the time, for the whole of America, in fact, um, it was written about in the New York Times. Would you believe it? In the New York Times, this book was called Christianity and Liberalism. It was written by a very learned professor uh, at um, uh, Princeton uh, Seminary called uh, Gresham Machen. And Dr. Machen argued at that time that the kind of uh, Christianity that was being sold <laughs> as truth was in fact not truth and it certainly was not Christianity. And he argues very powerfully. He was an 
tremendous intellect, and it really was a tremendous intellect. Probably thought that Paul didn't write Hebrews, but that's a whole other story. Gressa <laughs> uh, uh, Machen was a very brilliant man, and the book really captured the issues. Uh, the Presbyterian Church in America, no, Presbyterian Church in the United States at that time was drifting into liberalism, which taught really that Jesus was not the Son of God. He may have been a good man. They weren't sure he existed even, but that he encapsulated what the Gospels encapsulated was the good things he did and that we should be like him, nice, good, kind people and uh, just loving everybody. And as a result, they denied the character of God. See, it's not only the Lord Jesus Christ that was being demeaned by these people, but that God, who is the Father of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, was ridiculed. He was counted as nothing. The God of the Old Testament was a God of battles and a God of justice and a God of law. And that is not what we want. We're harvesting the consequence of that now, you know, in our society. The whole of society seems so lawless. Well, where does the root of that begin? In a denial of the character of God. Now, the Jews feared God. They were really afraid of God. They feared him because Old Testament teaching taught that very thing, that God was to be feared. Not because he was ruthless and unkind and charitable, but because of who he was. You know, <clears throat> you can be afraid of someone because they're, they're bullies or they're, they're thugs or they're difficult to get on with and always say nasty things to you. Or you can fear someone. This is a or used to be, I don't know how to what a degree it is now, <coughs> but when I first came to, to Providence uh, uh, 15 years ago, uh, we had scads of people from, is it still Fort Bragg? I, I, I understand that it's a fluctuating feast here. Um, well, I'm going to call it Fort Bragg anyway, and if you report me and I get taken to jail, that's fine. <laughs> As long as they look after my diabetes, I don't care. But, but, but there were lots of military people. Now, military people, as I understand it, have due respect and, I suppose, a fear of the authorities that are over them. But I doubt very much if any soldier, male or female, is afraid of them. The authorities are there to have discipline and structure. Now, if you're afraid of someone because someone is vindictive, and, well, that's another story. Now, people 
feared God. He was awesome. And that's true. You read the Old Testament carefully and God is to be feared. He commands people to fear God. That's right. And as a result, they were bound up with the ceremonies of the Old Testament. And one of those ceremonies was the Day of Atonement. Now, on that day, the high priest, he was, he was really high. He was the governor of the nation, really. There were prophets, and they spoke the word of God. But the high priest was the man who once a year, just once, once a year, went into what was called the Holy of Holies. Now that was a tent or a, a curtained area around the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. And it was holy. Nobody, but nobody, went in through those curtains into the Holy of Holies. The ark was there. It contained the Ten Commandments and the, uh, the rod of Aaron that had budded. It was, it was a holy receptacle. And only the priest, the high priest, could go in. He was the most important person because when he went in, he offered sacrifice for himself, for the priesthood, and for all the people. When that happened once a year, the people who had committed so many sins and they would have sacrificed and they would have made offerings and they would have paid dues uh, throughout the year for different sins they committed. But true sin, the, 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 the essence of their misbehavior was forgiven on that one day. And the high priest, wow, if you were the high priest, if they'd had high priests from just anybody and anyone, well, the high priest would have just been a big office everybody would have wanted. And yet some would not have because it was a frightening office. And you remember in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, if you read that passage in Luke that I uh, had uh, Jamie read just uh, uh, the end portion. If you read the whole one, man, those priests, and particularly the high priest, there were two high priests at the time of death, Christ's death, really. <clears throat> one had had to step down because the Romans had made him step down. His name was Annas. And his son-in-law, Caiaphas, was the high priest. So really there were two high priests, but only one had the name the other was uh, the power behind the throne. And they commanded the people. When, when Christ is brought before Pilate, they shouted and the people shouted because the high priest was calling on them to shout, crucify him. The high priest was, well, the bee's knees and the chicken's elbows. He was the big deal. And so... To talk about a high priest was to talk about the most reverent person 
in the whole nation. He was, we talk about the president. Well, some of us talk about him complementarily. Some of us are less complimentary. Um, he, but nobody criticized the high priest. Well, now, the apostle is writing this letter. And to whom is he writing? Well, obviously, in the first place, he was writing to Jews. The, only they would have understood the significance of what is said throughout the whole letter. And obviously, I'm not going to expound the whole letter this morning. Well, it wouldn't be just this morning. It would be for the next two or three days. But uh, he, the high priest was someone that these early Christian Jews or Jewish Christians realized was so important. But he's not only talking to them. He's talking as well to people who had um, become Christians and thought that the Jews were unimportant. And, and they have to understand that the whole of Christianity is based on the revelation of the Old Testament and its ceremonies. That Christ's death is not something that comes out of the blue. It's something that has a history fulfilling the revelation that God is God. That he is awesome. That he is to be feared. That he hates sin. And that it only can be uh, removed by a sacrifice of blood. And people had to understand that. And, and lots of people who became Jew Christians thought, well, you know, the Jewish nation has nothing to say. And, and the, the author is saying, yes, the Jewish nation was a backdrop of all that we understand in the faith. But he's also writing to the Judaizers. Now, these were a bunch of rascals. Uh, Paul runs across them in Galatians, where they're trying to say, you can't become a Christian unless you become a Jew. And that involved the right of circumcision for all the males. And, and the, the author of the Hebrews, Paul, is saying here, look, the gospel is to be found in the Old Testament, but it's not to be transposed in its entirety because that has been filled in Jesus Christ. And so when the apostle comes in these verses in, in chapter 4, you begin to understand now what he's saying. He's talking about how Jesus Christ became a high priest. He is the high priest that we have. And he does so, he's done so through the first three chapters. He's talked about uh, who Jesus is. He's the son of God in chapter one. In chapter two, he tells us about the importance of believing because he is the son of God. And then he goes on to talk about how he has brought the gospel and all the freedom that that gives and the blessing it pours upon us. 
And now he comes at the end of this section. This is one section. Uh, he comes to tell us how Jesus has become our priest. And he's not just a high priest. He's the great high priest. It's, it's a, a significant uh, point that the apostle makes. He's not just any old high priest. He is the great high priest. And he tells us here that we can only come to God because of Jesus Christ. He's inferring, in fact, that the Old Testament, as, as wonderful and as inspired and as authoritative as it is, is nonetheless incomplete until you come to Jesus Christ, who fulfills all its types and shadows and through him and him alone, as our high priest, we can come to God. All his work, all his wonder, and now he can point to see, we read from Luke's gospel, if you remember, and if you followed the reading, uh, it was when Jesus died. He's on the cross, and he's breathing his last. And what happens People pay very little attention to it. I think it's very significant. The, the, the curtain, which you wouldn't dare go through, wouldn't know what was be, behind it. You, you could live all your life, and most Jews did live all their lives, and never could see into the te- into, beyond the curtains, uh, into the Holy of Holies. The tent is ripped, burst open, Everybody can see it. Why? Because the great high priest has opened it. And now you can see God in his majesty, in his law giving, and in his grace and love. This is what the high priest has done. Our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he's done. He's shown us God. Isn't that amazing? He's brought us into the presence of God. And this is what the apostle is doing in these verses. He's assuring the Christian Jews who were being persecuted and they were being doubted and they themselves were filled with fear. Look, he says, you can see God. You see him in Jesus Christ. You see him by faith. You believe in him. That's the first thing he's saying. That's in verse 14. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, because he's not only gone into the, burst open the Holy of Holies, he has ascended, he's resurrected, and now he's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's there. And he's interceding and praying for us. Look, pass through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Look, you may be a young Christian here this morning, and maybe friends in school, or maybe people you play with on the streets, or, or, or friends you've got in other circumstances, and they say, you know, what, is, what does it mean to be a Christian? He's funny. He's odd. 
He, uh, you know, he goes to church on Sunday. His parents tell him to, uh, to go to church, so he goes. But y- you don't really want to go, do you? And, and he says, nah, you know, I, I, I got to go. But when I'm 18, I'll be out of here. You won't see me for dust. Look, he's saying to them, you have a great high priest. Hold fast your confession. What you believe is true. It's right. You are going to live forever. That's what he's saying. The second thing he's saying here is this. That you're acceptable to God. Look. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The Greek word here, sympathetico, means alongside of. He sympathizes. He comes alongside us. Look, he says, we have a, 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 we have a high priest who is able. You can put it, turn the negative into the positive. Who is able to sympathize with our weakness, our, our sin. I could take a vote this morning, but I won't. And ask you, how many of you sin today? Uh, I'm sure that uh, some of you wouldn't put your hands up. <laughs> I know uh, some of you would put your hands up. But you know, we're all sinners. Whether you've sinned in action, if you've killed somebody this morning, or if you've broken the law when you drove here, or if you, you've all sinned, every one of us. Because we're sinners, that's what we are. And sin cannot come into the presence of God. That's why the high priest offered us offering for himself and offered it for the, high, for the priests. Because he was a sinner. But look, Jesus Christ has paid that price. He's been punished. Think about that cross. Think of Jesus dying on it. And why does he have to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's because he was carrying your sin and mine. Isn't that amazing? He was carrying my sin. I am so glad this morning that my sins were laid on Jesus. And he can sympathize with me when I sin and I'm sorry and I, I confess my sin. He sympathizes with me. He says, I know. I carried your sin myself. So he's saying, you're acceptable to God. If you become a believer this morning, you'll be in God's company. Jesus will save you. You belong to him. And he will sympathize with you every step of your way. And this fearsome, holy, majestic, unapproachable God will see you and love you in his son. And the third thing he's saying here is this. You can come to God at any time. Listen. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace. Um, as you can tell by my accent, I, I think, I've lived in America almost 40 years, but I don't think I've got a real good American accent. Um, 
I come from the United Kingdom. And uh, when I was born, and uh, uh, soon after I was born, 10 years after I was born, we had a queen. And uh, I knew of people who had actually met the queen. Oh, man. You couldn't talk to the queen. Just say, hi, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? Good day, bad day, things going well? Couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. And if you went to an investiture, if you were given an honour, a medal, or whatever, you went in, and it was only in turn you could go, and you had to bow or curtsy. And then, at that point, uh, you would approach the throne where she sat, and she would pin the medal on you, and you would say, thank you, and, and that was it. You couldn't chat with her, you could, unless she spoke with you. And if she said, if she said to me, oh, uh, Mr. Hughes, uh, you've been a minister in America for all these years. Uh, 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 what's life like in America? And I could only answer in about two sentences. That's impossible. But he would, they would ask her. But, oh, honor, honor, order. Ceremonial right, but look, we can come to God. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. We don't have to have a summons, a trumpet from outside saying, Come in now, go out now. We can come at any time to God. This is why God is so important and central because He is the maker of the world. He made the world and everything in it. There is nothing he did not make. He made it beautiful, majestic, incredible. Means you can hardly believe it. I, I listened to somebody recently, some scientists or astronomers or something, <clears throat> and they were talking about the James Webb Telescope and that they'd seen... Billions of years in the past. They could see nothing in the future, but only in the past. And, and they could see back billions of years. And, and it was illuminated, they said. They couldn't understand it. I, uh, my wife and I were watching together, and we couldn't, we couldn't stop laughing. Uh, we, we just don't understand it, they said. Of course, they haven't read Genesis 1. They didn't know that God made the world and he made it beautiful. Adam sinned and damaged all of that. But now we can come through Jesus Christ. We needn't fear God anymore. We need to be respectful, but we don't need to be afraid of him. He will not judge us because judgment has been laid on his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that amazing? And we can come to him. He's our great high priest. He stands instead of us before God. And when we get to heaven, we'll stand behind him, as it were, and he'll stand in front of us. <coughs> and God will say, who's this guy? And he'll say, he's one of mine. He's one of mine. Whenever we want to go to him, I was with him this morning, 
I'm sure many of you were with him this morning. Why were you there? Because you wanted to come before God. And how could you come there? Jesus Christ, our high priest, offered his blood and died. And we can come into his presence. Let me uh, make some application. And uh, I don't know what time I'm supposed to finish, but I'll finish when I finish. And <laughs> the first of this is this. To rob the scriptures in its entirety. To say that we cannot or should water down its belief is to fail to understand the nature of salvation. My wife and I were in, um, in a surgeon's office uh, three weeks ago, and my wife, who's a very chatty sort, <laughs> uh, uh, started talking to someone who was in our little area. And he was an old man. I'm old, he's older. And uh, um, he said to her, she asked him, did he go to church? <laughs> when people get old, they need to come into the presence of God because they haven't got a guaranteed length of time. And uh, she, he said, well, I went to a church, he said, but they would only preach from the New Testament and they wouldn't preach from the old. And that's wrong. He said, you've got to preach from the whole Bible. I don't know if he was a Christian, but he'd got the essence of it. The whole Bible speaks of Jesus Christ and of God's provision through him to silence his own wrath and to bring us into eternal life. The whole, to deny it, as, as, as the liberals call them the liberals there in most of our churches nowadays, they don't preach the authority of God and the truth of the scriptures and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the expectation of his return. They do none of those things. They're liberals. Be nice to one another. Oh, man. That's a failure. You can't be nice to each other. You brothers and sisters here, little ones. I won't talk the big ones. That's a, that's a pastoral issue. If you little ones... Do you always love your brothers or sisters? Oh, I only had two sons, and uh, they didn't always love each other. Uh, oh, oh, my brother and I, sorry, we were just two brothers. We didn't always love each other. I had five children, my wife and I. They didn't always love each other. I got grandchildren, 18 of them. And I know that for at least 10 of them who live close by me, they don't always love each other. I can tell you that. But you know, God changes hearts. And so we can come to him because salvation changes our view of each other. The second thing is this. Coming to Christ at least gives you peace in knowing you'll be accepted by him. Oh, you will fail. You will fail. I know you will. But he will always forgive you. He's our great high priest. He pays the penalty. He's gone into God's presence. And you are forgiven. Isn't that amazing? You're forgiven. The third thing is this. 
If you refuse the gospel, you prepare for a godless eternity. I'm warning you. I'm warning you all. If you will not bow the knee to Jesus Christ and accept him as your great high priest who's paid the penalty for your sin, I warn you. Someone we know or have known of, we know of, he's 99 and a half. Uh, He's been ill recently. He's not a Christian. He's not interested in it. His son told me once that he worshipped at the soccer club to which he belonged. They have no interest in God. And now he's been very ill, this old man. He's been very ill in hospital. And this son of his, who is an unbeliever, asked us to pray for him. Does that make sense to you? He didn't believe in God, but he asked us to pray. What's happening? Because this old man is almost a hundred, and he has never bothered with the gospel. <coughs> now, think of it. You could live to be a hundred. And if you haven't bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and you're without God, you can live to be a thousand and you'll still go to hell. But there's a great high priest, someone who's paid the penalty for your sins. Bow the knee to him while it is yet the day of grace. And the last thing I want to say is this. Jesus Christ is our only hope. We live in difficult times. People tell me and I see in the news and on the news reports that we're living in dark times as a nation. That's probably true. Where's our hope? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the only hope we have. Our great high priest. (laughs) who offered his blood and died. My guilty conscience seeks no other sacrifice beside. His blood for me did once atone, and now I stand before the throne. Mm. Not with fear, not with trembling, but with hope in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We come to you now in the name of that blessed Saviour who died for us and rose again, who stood in that holiest of places and offered not a lamb or a goat and did not send a goat away to take my sins into the wilderness, but he died as my Lamb of God. And paid the penalty for my abject rebellion against you. Be pleased to accept what I've said and accept us all in the merit of Jesus Christ alone. This we pray in his name and for his sake.